0: What's up, everybody? How's it going on in the internet wrestling community and all over the world wide web? It is me, it is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, kicking it with you on another edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. And boy, let me tell you, just there's it's really breaking down to Two things anymore. Just like everything is, it seems like everything is hyper polarized now, and that everything is breaking down into basically two categories. As much as we try to have diversity, as much as we try to uh, report lots of things, and of course, you can check out um, all the things that uh, you know aren't discussed on the show necessarily in the crawl that you see magically appear above my head. You can definitely, uh, you know, s- tell that there is a little bit of a weird—I uh, don't know what you want to call it uh, or just, just a, just a polarization of the dichotomies between uh, two products, two wrestling products. Uh, one is uh, has had to trim. A little bit off of not by choice or voluntarily, I might add. But, of course, I'm referring to the uh, head of WWE, Vince McMahon, having to step down. And then Triple H and Stephanie and others stepping up to fill the void quite adequately, I might add. But then you have on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, uh, the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Uh, the island of misfit toys, whatever you want to call it, the nightmare that is AEW that continues to just embarrass themselves left and right. And I know, I, I know, I know, I've said in the past that I'm not going to give AEW any more time. I'm going to give them any more of my energy, but it's just, the, the, unless it was a big story, but, you know, this is a big story. I mean, these these stories just permeate. They, they just keep coming, right? It's not like, I can avoid them anymore, especially when it involves uh, possible subterfuge and uh, paranoid rumors uh, from a guy who mixes his cocaine with Adderall. So I don't know what else to say other than report the the news as it happens. And I really try to stay away from, like, the dirt sheet rumors about it uh, just because, you know. Um, I like to consider myself a clean sheet reporter, um, so to speak, just not getting involved in any drama at all uh, because there's too many of uh, that going around. There's too much people just trying to make their own name for themselves by reporting falsities and stirring up rumors and getting uh, the straight story from who they think is in the know and then putting it up as clickbait, but I don't want to do that. But I do want to invite you to all my other social media. So if you just go to healing face podcast on all social medias, I love being here on Facebook. Let me say that Facebook is great. And I love it. I'm on Twitter, but I'm also on a lot of different uh, places as well. So uh, just make sure that you can follow me anywhere you're comfortable, anywhere you're convenient to follow me. You can follow me on most social media platforms, But also, you can get the audio of this podcast, this very podcast, on your favorite audio podcast streaming platform. So, either way, you're good to go. Although social media isn't awesome all the time, sometimes it can be really bad, and especially for people who honestly shouldn't be using it. And as lockdown as wrestlers have accused Vince McMahon of being in the past and as and overbearing of a leader as Vince McMahon's had the reputation of being. Uh, one thing was true. You didn't really fly off the handle and say something dumb on social media and catch nothing about it. But here we are with the dichotomy again. <laughs> the complete opposite of the WWE spectrum is in fact AEW and uh, the buffoonery continues as this is pretty much the only permeating news article throughout wrestling right now that Sammy Guevara, who no longer, at least I didn't think he worked for the company. You can comment below and hit me if he is or not, but Sammy Guevara uh, and Andrade El Idolo in Andrade's continuing uh, continuing, uh, uh, continuing, uh Trek to get himself fired and uh, go sign back with Triple H and WWE um, has uh, clapped back, as the kids say, from their uh, backstage beef. And now it's on Twitter, just like two grown men should uh, spout. So uh, it's first started with their first match together that apparently there was something that went wrong in their first match together. And, uh, Andrade was working a little stiffer because, you know, he's from Mexico. So it was a little stiffer. Plus, um, he's also working, you know, just cause he's a regular wrestler, right? I mean, makes sense. And he was apparently working a little too stiff for Sammy Guevara's liking. So, uh Instead of going to Andrade in the locker room instead of confronting him backstage, maybe a catering and I don't mean confronting him, do not mean like getting in his face, but you know having words and having a grown discussion like adults behind uh, in the backstage and then having a beer afterward, um, Sammy pretty much complained on Twitter and then went behind, Uh, everyone's back to quote-unquote management and i don't know this is a generational thing i don't want to sound like old man yelling at kids to get off his lawn although i am old but it just seems like this could have been handled way better and way differently than than it was and it wasn't because we don't put beef you know We don't keep beef backstage anymore. We don't keep beef one-to-one, man-to-man anymore. We are putting stuff out on social media. So, of course, you're going to respond on social media. And the whole thing got completely ugly. So, like I said there, Sammy complained about Andrade working stiff. Andrade claims he tried talking to Sammy, but Sammy just went and ran to management instead and uh, didn't uh, really confront him at all. Again, is this a generational thing? I don't know. But, of course, as you do in 2022, you don't talk to someone about it. You don't work things out. You go to social media. So they just basically went back and forth. And I don't want to sit here and recap things you said. Uh, You could go back and do your own little research on the things that were said. But basically, uh, Sammy talked about a liar and called him a liar. Obviously, Uh, Sammy said, why don't you just go away and quit already? Because we know you want to go back to WWE and called Andrade a pity hire because all TK wanted was to get Ric Flair. And Andrade was part of the package, apparently. Andrade basically called him uh, some things in Spanish on a Spanish podcast that were not nice. So they just went back and forth. And El Idolo basically said, this ain't ballet. And if you have a problem with it, you should have come to me like a man. And it's wrestling. I was working stiff. And if you had an issue with that while we were working in the ring, then you should have given me a receipt or you should have said something. Which makes sense because every story I hear from all the old school wrestlers, from Jim Cornette to um, the Legion of Doom to, you know, all the, the Crusher, Uh, And all those guys and the four horsemen, you know, if someone was working stiff, then you would just go in the corner and you would, you know, lay on the guy and say, hey, kid, chill out. Um, Or you'd learn a really hard lesson like The Undertaker did, like Braun Strowman did against Brock Lesnar. Uh, But most often than not. If you don't get the idea, if you don't get it communicated to you, hey, lay up uh, in the ring, then the next obvious is, you know, taking it out backstage. So, I don't know, call me old school, but I feel like this could have been handled in a very old school way if they would have just done in the back. Uh, just like some of those wrestlers that I've heard interviewed before when guys were laying it in. I mean, there's that famous story where um, the big boss man had finally come back to WWE, but at this time it was the nineties. And this was, um, this was with uh, stone cold on top and this was in Germany and uh, you know, uh boss man wanted to do such a good job and they wanted to, uh, And he wanted to really like, you know, wanted to, he was working with the hottest guy in the company with Steve Austin on a, on a uh, European tour. And he told, you know, he he was laying him in and Steve, uh, Steve kind of warned him, but I guess he didn't hear him. So the next time big boss man shot Steve in and hit him real well with potato, uh, Steve came back and fired about three or four of them in the corner and told them to slow down. And, uh, Ray, uh, the, uh, big boss man immediately apologized and there are tons of stories on multiple different podcasts of similar things about, you know, the, uh, the uh, midnight express pulling some meatheads into the corner and saying, slow down. Um, You know, the Legion of doom. I'm that. might've actually been the Legion of doom. They might've actually pulled the Legion of doom in the corner and told them to slow down. There was lots of instances where guys were just a little too much in the ring and the ring general ring veteran, the heel of whoever was in the ring just basically took over and said, look, you got to calm down. Um, of course, if it's not communicated effectively, <laughs> then the next level is, uh, the other guy's just going to beat the bejesus out of you. So this is what happened famously, uh, with the undertaker's first match with bruiser Brody in the, uh, mid eighties where, uh, Uh, Undertaker just wasn't listening and one guy you have to listen to when you're wrestling is Bruiser Brody so that was settled inside the ring and the Undertaker learned a hard lesson that day if that was the case going on in the match then all Andrade should have done is pulled Sammy to the side or pulled him in the corner and just laid a couple in uh, and just set him straight then this whole thing would have avoided, been avoided. But no, no, of course. Uh, instead of talking about it in the ring or talking about it you know, in the locker room, uh, we air our grievances and we air our dirty laundry in uh, social media. So I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if at this point Sammy is doing this purposefully, to um, you know, just disingratiate himself from uh, WWE or AEW. If he just if he himself wants out, I'm hearing things that he you knows actually uh, resigning uh, or was resigned to a new contract or something to that effect. Uh, but if he just really is souring in a lot of people's eyes, you know, maybe it is. Maybe he does need to learn a hard lesson. Maybe he does need to be slapped around slightly. Maybe he does need to go old school a little bit and, um, you know, um, learn learn a hard lesson. I don't know. Um, seems like he's not the type of person. Unfortunately, there's lots of people in life who don't earn, learn hard lessons like that. And I heard some interesting comments. I've heard some people say that uh, Sammy is... Tony Khan's Triple H, or I'm sorry, HBK, just a uh, tremendously talented guy, but a huge pain in the behind that uh, he's just going to have to deal with. And um, if he wants that kind of talent around AEW, if he's going to build the future, if he's truly one of the pillars of AEW, he's just going to have to put up with his nonsense. But I don't know. I I don't buy it. I don't like it. I don't think... Uh, that's, that's the way to go. I think you got to learn to get along and, uh, you got to figure it out and you've got to work with people who you're putting, uh, your life in their hands. Why would you, um, mess that up on purpose? Why would you allow someone to, um, you know, be such a jerk and and just piss off everybody and and just go rogue. You just you just have a cancerous locker room that way. At least that was what it seems like to me. You know, I, I wouldn't want anybody who's just consciously, purposely being a pain in the uh, in the rear end. Uh, you know, to, to work with. I mean, I don't I don't know how much money uh, it takes. How much money it's going to take or how much money that person makes. Is it worth it? Uh, Because right now the locker room is not the place uh, for AEW. Uh, The locker room is probably the most poisonous, most toxic that it's been ever in the three years that it's existed. And uh, it's mostly of their own doing, but if they continue to allow this kind of behavior to happen without having some type of settlement, because Tony Khan doesn't know what he's doing and doesn't know how to settle cases like that, then this um, nightmare is going to continue and, Uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't see WWE or AEW uh, lasting much longer if the locker room is such a a terrible place like this where no one wants to work or get along. So maybe this is a generational thing. I don't know, but uh, you should be able to settle things like grown men um, either by talking it out or having some type of arbiter some person to go between. Or uh, you just kind of old school uh, just take it into the ring or take it into the locker room, take it into the back stall, the shower, and whoever gets out, you know, standing wins. I don't know. That's all, that's, that's all Really, What what else is there to say about that? Just two grown men fighting each other on social media. um, And, and by the way, uh, it just dawned on me as well, by the way, this is all during Hispanic Heritage Month, where AEW and TNT have been doing this huge deal about accentuating their Hispanic and Latino wrestlers uh, for Hispanic Heritage Month. Well, um, I don't think this is co- could have come at a worse time. So, you know, just to be buffoons about it uh, while awareness is being brought is probably a terrible, terrible Terrible idea. So I don't know. It's uh, you know, they're, they are they reaping what they sow right now in AEW land. All right. Well, um, gonna gonna switch gears completely here, and then we will uh, we're gonna talk about uh, a company that is uh, killing it right now, and it, they are back 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 on top. And again, I take no pleasure. I know many of you feel like I am a, a WWE honk, that I am a, you know, a WWE stan. And I don't know if that's 100% true or not, uh, but the facts remain the fact. You can go back to any of my episodes from the past where I've wished and prayed and hoped that AEW be a legitimate second competition for wwe but um they don't want to do it because they don't really have what it takes to run with wwe right now and the pay-per-view the ww the extreme rules pay-per-view is exactly proving my point comparatively from last year's extreme rules a major uh, upgrade i don't didn't necessarily like some of the matches like other people did Um, But then there was also a match where a lot of people crapped on it, and I thought it was fine, especially now the end I do get. The end I understand. I don't know if I would have gone with uh, the end of uh, this one backstage interview or not, but uh, I guess this is called character development. Well, let's just get to it then. Let's just start with um, the first match, which I wasn't really looking forward to, Per se, um, just because of how, you know, uh, it was almost like Seamus and Gunther should have been like a one day feud. Right. It should have been where this was it. Like this was all was going to like this was going to come just to this, that it was going to be Seamus versus Gunther for the Intercontinental belt on SmackDown. Um, and I felt like that was good enough. I mean, it was definitely match of the year candidate you know just by watching it but when you continue to look at you know where they i think they want to go plus of course they want to build up the younger stars uh, this match this good old Donnybrook between the brawling brutes and imperium actually was way more entertaining than it needed to be and i know again people are critical of it because of you know well what's the point of having this if Seamus lost in an absolute banger to Gunther for an Intercontinental belt. But it was a way to get the crowd into it because the crowd was very up and down for me. I didn't hear a whole lot of uh, excitement where there should have been some. And then uh, the crowd kind of warmed up, especially toward the end of the pay-per-view. At first, we get history lessons. And I'm going to comment about this a little bit more probably in the show. But we're getting history lessons from Michael Cole. We were never getting history lessons in the past from Michael Cole, so I'm going to consider that a positive. I'm going to consider that a, a win. Um, the the match started off hot, as you would expect. It always does, especially with these guys together. Although most of the matches tonight did not start hot. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, Ridge Holland finally figuring it out, doing the double stalling backdrop um, on Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. A lot of good brawling. They, they teased all of the hardware out there, like the barrels and the bar and all that stuff. Um, it was a nice touch that when Gunther broke the picture of Seamus' grandpa, uh, that's when Seamus got fired up. I don't know if that's a trope or not, but I'm going to go with it. They really, like, beat the dog a snot out of each other. There were some really nice spots, including the uh, double team. Uh, maneuver with Ridge Holland and uh, I don't know what they're calling him. Are they calling him Butch? Are they calling him Butch? Uh, PD Butch Dunn, whatever they're calling him. That was a nice little combo. Um, uh, he hit uh, – Seamus hit Gunter with 30 beats of the ball run, it looked like. They just whacked the crap out of each other all night. Um. Seamus even put Gunther in the clover leaf, uh, but Kaiser came in and broke it up. Uh, big spot with the shillelagh breaking, almost hitting a fan. That was pretty hilarious. Uh, uh, it looked like Kaiser was swinging for the fences. Um, uh, they beat uh, Gunther down you know, to make Gunther look strong. It was all three of them beating down one dude. So, you know, that obviously helps you uh, look strong. Um, but the biggest spot was that Celtic cross through the table. That was awesome. And by the way, before poor Michael Cole. Um, Jeepers creepers. Like, they knocked him over, thought he was dead. Um, but he survived. He was fine. Um, and, of course, they set up uh, Vinci with... The brogue kick uh, over uh, at the end of the match. And the Brawling Brutes end up with the victory. So Gunther didn't take the pin. Gunther did take a significant beating. But, again, it was three on one when he was really getting beat down. Um, Celtic Cross and Air Raid Crash off the top. And then uh, Vinci uh, ended up... Not Vinci. Uh, Was Oh, yeah, it was Vinci. Vinci took the brogue kick at the end. So uh Seamus looks strong, Rich Holland looks strong, everybody looked how they were supposed to look coming out of there. And uh, it's a tough L for Imperium, but they will definitely regroup. And of course Gunther's still the Intercontinental Champion. So um didn't didn't end poorly for him. So that was a that was that was again a way more entertaining match than uh it needed to be that I thought it was going to be and it was good. I, uh, I liked it. It was a good way to hype the crowd up for Extreme rules before things got underway. Uh, the next match that a lot of people were I get online, like, crapping on, I didn't think it was all that bad. It actually was really well done storyline-based. You know, you've got um, Rhonda wearing a lot of uh, her ring gear, had some of the same things from They Live On It Right, Obey, uh, all that. And then Liv Morgan's gear that looked like the Extreme Rules logo, you know, it wasn't bad. Hey, what did I say? What did I say? What have I been saying about Liv Morgan? Uh, the fact that she is, uh, you know, doing the underneath heel, uh, the or underneath baby face, the come from behind babyface's champ. I thought it really worked. It continues to work. And uh, it even made a little bit of sense here, too, because there was always a sense where Liv was still trying uh, her might, her darndest, to come up from underneath and and beat Ronda. But then again, I don't understand why a bat – I mean, yes, the bat was introduced because the bat was introduced from the week before. And, you know, wouldn't you just grab the bat and just beat someone's brains in until they can't respond? But, you know, LOL wrestling, right? Um, So – Um, They had some nice stuff on the outside. Um, Liv Morgan pulled out the fire extinguisher. That was pretty funny. Um, and then uh, Rhonda somehow got the baseball bat and was whipping live with it. Like the bejesus, like whacking her in the ribs and in the legs and all that stuff. You know, live was kind of covering up the uh, hits from the bejeweled baseball bat, which was kind of a nice touch. It was, it was clearly was the rubberized one, right? It was the one that triple H doesn't just necessarily like using because, uh, you know, he seems to think sometimes the rubberized ones, uh, people get a false sense of security. And when they use it, they can actually hurt you harder than with a real one. Um, But neither was the, the case. Um, Rhonda had some good submissions that was stretching Liv out throughout the whole match, um, including at the end for finisher, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, Rhonda had uh, – live had uh, some pretty good um, offense on her own, hit uh, Rhonda with a uh, code breaker assisted by a steel chair, although it didn't look that great. Um, it, you know, it was it sold pretty great, you know, uh, and Rhonda selling is underrated. I think um, she just uh, needs to be a little more snug, especially when it's with weaponry. I mean, yeah, chair to the face is going to hurt, uh, but uh, still she sold it. Well, um, she was actually making a lot of uh, lives offense look hard and look tough. And so, you know, that's how you do it. You put the baby face over and do it that way. Um, it was kind of a 50-50 crowd, which was I was really um, upset about. Just I'll get to it, but I did not like the vibe that, that Liv was getting or giving off or, or building to. I'm not going to be a fan of this for a couple of reasons. I'll get to it in a minute. So... Liv, at some point, recreates the spot that she did with Lacey Evans with uh, the senton from the top rope through a table, which she landed, just nailed perfectly. Uh, And then they tried to do something else to put Rhonda through the rest of the table as it was standing, but I don't think it worked well. But Rhonda somehow uh, came back. And as she came back, she uh, put Morgan in a bicep crusher. And as she was uh, doing that, Morgan was like in some kind of passed out dream state where she was enjoying it. She was smiling. Uh, But then to add insult to injury to get her out quicker, because Morgan wasn't really tapping out. She wasn't giving up. Uh, Rhonda took a piece of the uh, table, piece of the shreds of the table and uh, just basically pushed it into Morgan's temple to further uh, the damage of the Bicep Crusher and knocked Morgan out for the submission, so she couldn't answer. And we have a new WWE Women's uh, SmackDown Women's Champion in Ronda Rousey. So um, just being nitpicky here, but part of my beef is uh, that there's, there was this vibe that was permeating where Liv was enjoying things a little too much that Liv was, um, you know, living in the moment too much and and didn't really want to put Ronda away. And uh, that there's this darker side of Liv Morgan creeping in. And I don't know, this never ends well. Why would you have her turn heel on the top of her underdog baby? I mean, an underdog baby face, she should get at least one more chance at one more pay-per-view to try to get her belt back. And then if that doesn't happen, then she can uh, spiral into madness all she wants to. So there was also a backstage where live Morgan was literally in a dark place because she was hiding in the shadows and sm- like smiling. And then her smile kind of faded. So, Who knows? Um, We don't need more heels. We just need more wrestlers allowing themselves to wrestle. So whatever they're doing with this, I don't like it because I don't like when, um, you know, she has a really good thing going with being a babyface heel, but I guess they're sensing that being the underneath heel is not connecting with the fans. I don't know. All I know is your winner and new SmackDown Women's Champion, Ronda Rousey in a match that was a lot better than people on the internet are giving it credit for. And now we're going to switch gears from that to a match where, uh, it could have been a lot better than it was. And I think it was a little overhyped for, for what it was worth. Although the psychology was there, it just, for some reason, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 for me, the match never really got off the ground, and that is the strap match between Karrion and Cross and Drew McIntyre. Uh, the psychology was early in the match, of course. Uh, Cross refusing to put the strap on, Cross delaying putting the strap on. And then, of course, when Drew McIntyre's back was turned after he had already had the strap on, Carrie and Cross attacks Drew McIntyre only to get the jump on him by saying well the match hasn't even started yet so okay it's wrestling right that's what you do the match hasn't started yet so you have free range to uh, start beating on your opponent because it's not quote, unquote, sanctioned yet okay so they did the ECW thing right they went through the crowd and they beat the bejesus out of each other with the straps and, and whatnot and they did that you know they, walk, they went on a walk it was okay um, you know, sometimes when you go out there, it's, it's hit or miss, but sometimes when you go out there, it's kind of like, there should be kind of a little bit of a payoff. I think, I don't know, maybe somebody should be slammed and have like a 10 count before they come back into the ring or something like that, and, or a 20 count. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh they just worked a strap. They, they whipped each other. I think there was a couple of times where drew really laid it in to carry a cross pretty thick. And, um, it's giving me chills just thinking about it right now because it looked like it hurt and it certainly, certainly did. I'm not taking that away. Um, typical strap match now and then the, uh, heel who thinks he has the psychological advantage on, uh, the baby face, uh, then, uh, puts the strap on the baby face and then the match can officially get underway. So it, um, it was okay. There was some unique things done with the strap, you know, around the uh, post and and all that. But really, it was just kind of a a match. It really didn't elevate. There wasn't a point where I said, "Oh, okay, now people are getting serious." Um, uh, then at some point, Drew McIntyre got the upper hand and uh, hit uh, cross with the future shock DDT. The other great part of this duo, Scarlet made her appearance. She makes her appearance known when she needs to. She came in to distract McIntyre. Um, it kind of didn't work because he was still able to hit the claymore on cross. So when Scarlett got up in the ring, of course she maces Drew McIntyre. So, and as he is blinded and fumbling around the ring, carry across. Hits him with the cross hammer, which is like the burning, the sliding burning hammer, fist, whatever you wanna call it. One, two, three, your winner, carrying cross. So match for me never really picked up to where um, I thought it was gonna go. It just was. It was what it was. Um you know, I enjoy the outside brawling. You know, you got to give that homage to ECW when you're in Philly, but just, I don't know. Um, it doesn't hurt Drew because Drew's kind of untouchable as far as his storylines go. You know, he can always be reinserted into the title picture if he needs to be uh, carrying a cross. I don't even know if it really elevated him in this match. I mean, he was the uh, super heel who beat the uh, white meat baby face in a strap match. But I don't know if that's going to say, okay, Cross, you're done with McIntyre. Now you're moving up to Roman Reigns or now you're moving up to uh, the uh, U.S. title or, or, or whatever. Um, I don't think that necessarily happened, but uh, the match was okay all the same. Next match was one that really kind of, um, I mean, it, it, it brought it back a little bit because of the reactions from the crowd. Um You know, it was, again, it was okay for me. Like, it was, it was was all right. Like, I'm, I didn't see anything too terribly wrong with it, but it just, I don't know, just didn't grab me either. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch it now that it's on Peacock. I'll have to go back and watch it. I just was, um, I don't know, um, not. 100% impressed and I kind of thought actually part of me thought Bailey was going to uh, retain and even the match again ladder matches are becoming a lot like um, the uh, slam dunk contest in the NBA all-star game there's only so many different ways that you can slam and that's why people are saying that these recent uh, uh, these recent NBA slam dunk contests are boring you know because everybody can do basically the same dunk and has been and hasn't really been creating any new dunks for a long time. I think this same thing, unfortunately, is true with the ladder match. Like the ladder match is, especially at Extreme Rules, there's only so many things that you could do with the ladder match that people have kind of already seen before. Um, they tried, that being said, they tried and uh, some really cool spots like the double KOD that was almost botched when uh, EO and Dakota interfered, which, you know, they, they weren't supposed to do. And yet they did anyway. Um, I think Bailey was pretty hilarious throughout the whole thing. Uh, she had a sign, uh, she threw away a sign that said, Bailey is a ding dong. Um, you know, I think she's wearing baggy pants on purpose as to not draw attention to, uh, any other fans bringing any other signs. I'm just going to leave it like that. Um, Another thing I remarked on Twitter was Chekhov's knee brace hinge was introduced. They never really went to it. Um, they she did uh, kind of tried to use it, but it didn't. It didn't work. Uh, as you, if you don't know what I'm referring, ref- referencing the famous Russian playwright Anton Chekhov uh, has a very famous theory. And it's called the Chekhov. Chekhov's gun theory which basically states that if an object is being used in or brought out and made a big deal about in the first act then it has to be used. originally it was a gun. Uh, Chekhov would use a gun multiple times uh, in his plays. And he would bring it out, put it on the table or put it somewhere or a rifle or something inside the house or inside the yard or wherever it is the play was taking place. And then ultimately it would be used at some point at the end of the play. And that's the same thing. You know, he introduced that. I honestly thought that Bailey was going to waffle Bianca with it or, you know, do something to where uh, Bianca, uh, you know, was going to get injured by it somehow. But I guess it didn't happen. So I don't know. Um, Bailey put uh Bianca in the rose plants and then uh, trapped Belair under the ladder. Uh, But the only cool, really the only cool spot they did that they haven't done before was uh, the strongest woman in WWE uh, bench pressed the last rung to um, upset Bailey and hang her out to dry on the top rope, uh, which caused... Bianca to climb the ladder and remain WWE Raw Women's Champion. So, again, um, it's okay. It wasn't the best match of the night by any stretch of the imagination. You know, certainly wasn't the worst. It just wasn't. It was just a match. It was, if you've seen one ladder match, kind of, you've seen them all. And that's what that was. Okay. Um, now we go from that, though... To um, a a match that was just so incredibly satisfying on so many different levels, that um, I don't know, like, kind of like my opinion of Sami Zayn, anywhere that Dominic Mysterio or Guerrero, as he was being called last night by some people, uh, goes is going to be up. Uh, Everything in this match that happened was. Meaningful, purposeful, done with intent, and also like just shocking. And I was actually rooting for Rhea Ripley at the end of the match just because they just took um, Judgment Day to a new level and made immediate out judgment for Edge, definitely. Um, the match was already kind of a banger anyway between Finn and Edge, who also did the uh, proper EC-dub thing and went out into the crowd. And uh, there was that one spot where uh, uh, Edge launched Finn into the overhang pal. And then uh, he returned the favor by launching Edge into the metal guardrail that separates the up from the down in an arena. If you've been to an arena, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, they were brawling all over the place. Edge, of course, grabbed a hockey stick because that's what you do in Philly. That's what you do in uh, if you're Canadian. So it kind of worked, and put it in his mouth like the you know the bar of the of the chair that they've been using. And of course, there's a run in because there always is. Even though they were told to stay in the back by Finn Balor, uh, they came out to um, attack Edge. Get the jump on him. Edge, by the way, pulled out the educator which is the sidewinding step over Cloverleaf. He hasn't done in a while, and uh, that got a huge pop. And I don't think he's done it in a WWE match in almost, what, 20 years? So that was kind of nice to see. And then, of course, uh, also uh, Dominic Mysterio had to get involved, uh, helping assault Edge as well. Uh, but halfway through, Edge's friend and erstwhile tag partner Rey Mysterio Jr. came out to save the day, and he uh, rescued Edge at least for the time being. Until he confronted, he was confronted by his son, or maybe, maybe not his son. Uh, Dominic Mysterio, whom a lot of people online were calling Dominic Guerrero (laughs) because, you know, bad storylines just won't die. But there was obviously a change in Dominic. There was a a very pronounced change as far as his attitude, as far as his personality as a heel. He sat there and drank in the booze a little bit longer. He held the drama a little bit longer. And I don't know if it's just a simple case of Wrestlers like to be heels more than they do uh, faces, uh, but it just seems like Dominic is a little more comfortable kind of being like a smarmy jerk who's kind of quasi-controlled by a female wrestler. So um, that's nice to see. you love to see it. Of course, he got a receipt from Edge being kicked in the crotch. And then then it all really, really went somewhere. So uh, edge at one point got sneak handcuffed by Rhea Ripley, which was hilarious because nobody really ever saw it coming. Um, and when it was happening, like she, she got up, she, she crept up on edge with the quickness. Like it wasn't even like, we don't even know like how it happened. Like it happened before we were aware. And yes, it did. We, our attention was taken from us by, The camera shot and focusing on Ray and all that, but yeah, like, wow. Um, She handcuffed him with real quickness. Uh, Then of course they beat down on edge. They just beat down on edge and I might be going out of time order on the match. I'm just coming up with the, the stuff that just really pops into my head. Um, Of course you also have the spear outside Uh, Balor getting speared outside and then landing on uh, Dominic and Damian Priest and all that. So uh, that was good. That was fun. But then, as Rhea Ripley felt that she had taken care of business succinctly enough, out from the crowd comes the glamazon, Beth Phoenix, LFG, let's freaking go now. It's now leveled up, and they went after each other with a hockey fight, and it was so good. Um, I wanted to see a little bit more of Beth Phoenix getting the upper edge on, on Rhea Ripley, but again, Rhea Ripley's the heel, and she's also younger, so it made sense. Ripley ends up dropping uh, Beth Phoenix. Uh, um, well, actually, actually, I'm going ahead. Um, Rhea uh, got uh, handled by... Beth, who then took the key from her and went to unlock Edge. Edge hit three, because Spears with Finn Balor. That was amazing. But Rhea Ripley comes back into the ring, hits Edge with brass knucks, and then they, she proceeds to incapacitate Beth Phoenix, who, at this point, they grabbed uh, the rest of Judgment Day, grabs Edge, and then has the ref come over to try to get... Edge to quit, and he said, uh, heck no. Well, they did pin him, but they were able to bring Beth Phoenix over, a prone Beth Phoenix, and Rhea Ripley threatened her with a concerto. Now, let me tell you, the crowd exploded when this happened. Like, just the threat, just the mere threat of a concerto on Beth. Like, got the crowd so heated. So, of course, Edge had to acquiesce because, you know, he wasn't going to let his wife take the concerto. Until she did. Rhea comes, ha pow. They got Edge to submit, Edge to quit. Edge said the words, I quit, I quit, I quit. And they still waffled uh, or, uh, Beth Phoenix with the concerto. I loved it. The place went unglued. Like, it was almost NWO level of hatred for Judgment Day. And that is, kids, how you do it. Um, The only other thing is that Dominic Maciero should definitely lean more into being Dominic Guerrero. Um, You know, I think Dominic should come out and do the little shoulder shimmy. I think Dominic should introduce uh, Three Amigos Uh, to his repertoire if he ever gets to wrestle uh, longer than five minutes or take bumps, take heel bumps. So I know that Dominic is good in fits and spurts, just like most rookies are. I I see that he did have a little bit of a regression from his rookie season last year, but still, uh, he's still going to be a star, and he's just got it now. And once he gets that native personality, oh, it's going to be fantastic. Um, So, yeah, probably match of the night. Just how it went down on the the get-down, just was fantastic, and um, I, uh, I I don't know. Just there wasn't anything wrong with that match. Now you've got all this this the setup. You've got uh, you know a possible Survivor Series match of uh, Edge and Rey Mysterio and probably random other people uh, with a mixed tag with uh, Beth Phoenix versus Judgment Day. I mean that's just going to be sick. I, I I just I loved it. I thought that that definitely was match of the night uh feel to it and then we have the main event (laughs) like how did you get people like so hyped for this and then we got we still have the main event to discuss so um which you know it wasn't great it wasn't the best main event but it certainly wasn't uh necessarily a, a terrible one either it was just one to just get through um Matt Riddle and Seth freaking Rollins uh, just went after each other for real in the fight pit. Um, you kind of forget with the fight pit, how, uh, you know, kind of brutal the chain was. It wasn't exactly like the NXT fight pit because the NXT fight pit, the floor was actually the pit. And then the above it, the wrestler started above it and made it to the floor. But this time they actually started on the floor and went up and really, honestly, the only reason to do that was the, uh, The Broton from the top. Uh, But I get ahead. Um, There was some nice interaction with DC. He didn't look lost in there. He just he looked like he could have done a little more, though. Um, He didn't look lost. He didn't get lost. Uh, There were some really good interactions with him. He pulled Matt Riddle off and got in his face, and then he pulled Seth Rollins off at one point and got in Seth Rollins' face. I was kind of expecting a ref bump. A perfect time would have been the time where Matt Riddle came off the top. I totally expected Matt Riddle to come off the top with like a floating bro, and then Seth Rollins to pull DC in the the way and and come off. But I'm glad that didn't happen. I don't know if it wasn't in his Contract for the night to take an unnecessarily uh, an unnecessary bump or not, but it was really good. Um, the, it actually looked like wrestling. Like the only other match that night that actually looked like, like a struggle was um, was uh, Liv versus Ronda Rousey, and you know, like I've said in previous shows about ronda rousey that's just going to be how ronda rousey wrestles a match it's going to look more athletic it's going to look more mixed martial arts influence than most other matches are and it's going to be fine and people are going to crap on it because they don't like ronda rousey but whatever um seth rollins came out with uh rob van damme inspired gear uh which would have been hilarious there were only a few vague references to ECW that night. They did... Now, as far as... Uh, let me get back to this real quick. Michael Cole, spouting history, he talked about the actual first um, uh, I Quit match, which was... Uh, which was a tag match with the Andersons, and I missed the other half of it, and I was shocked. Again, Michael Cole's allowed to talk about history uh, where as opposed to last times that he wasn't. So... Um, so Uh, Rollins did hit a five-star frog splash from, from the top. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, Matt Riddle hits a, uh, Broton from the top and it looked like it murdered, uh, Seth Rollins to death. Um, it looked like it really did hurt. Um, Seth Rollins hits Matt Riddle with a buckle bomb into the cage wall of the fight pit that was pretty good. Um, uh, after the Broton, Matt Riddle puts Rollins into a triangle choke hold, and which prompted Rollins to try to use the, um, uh, the rampage bomb. Uh, as you know, what the rampage bomb is, if we're talking MMA, we're talking fight Pit with DC, you know, how rampage would uh, pick people up if, if he was caught in a triangle, um, it would he would just pick people up and power bomb them in a submission before power bombs I think were made illegal in uh, Pride but uh, it was effective for a Rampage and that's what he used um, and then, uh, Riddle just kept transitioning and transitioning until he got uh, Rollins to tap out so that was uh, pretty pretty doggone good I think um, you know uh, for what it was uh, again DC didn't mess up you know he didn't look awkward, and he certainly didn't uh, take away anything from the match. Uh, He did, however, um, I don't think he did enough of pointing. Like, he should have been pointing, like, I am the referee. You need to back up. That would have been pretty hilarious. But other than that, you know, he did a nice job. I know the rumors were out there that Ken Shamrock wanted to do it, Ken even – called up WWE and approached them saying, you know, why can I be the special enforcer or whatever, but you know, whatever Um, it it worked out. Um, This might be again, a thing where DC might become like a manager or he might do some work for, um, for WWE in the future. I don't know if this necessarily is a one-off, like a one-time thing, uh, but we shall see. Um, But it was really good. But of course, As Matt Riddle is celebrating his MMA victory against Seth Rollins at Extreme Rules, the entire uh, arena goes dark. And on cue, the Fireflies come out. And we hear he's got the whole world in his hands, which I swear was uh, sung by Triple H in the back, but I could have been mistaken. You know what, though? But I don't I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it against Triple H for singing it just because Triple H wants to be so involved with uh, with with bringing Bray Wyatt. He was always a Bray Wyatt fan and wanted him to do well. So I, it wouldn't put it past me uh, if Triple H was actually in the back, uh, you know, like R Anderson is the shock master singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. And while that was coming up, um, the, the, the rumors that everyone had uh, been worried about as far as, uh, oh, it was going to be Gacy, the, you know, rumors were that Joe Gacy was seen and blah, 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 blah. I think those guys were used, but I think those guys were used as just the uh, as just the uh, physical manifestations of the flyer fly fun fly, fly house characters. Uh, and I know the rumors went wild. That Karrion Cross was going to be the White Rabbit and Dexter Loomis was going to be Mercy the Buzzard, and they were all going to come together and be under Bray Wyatt's tutelage. But you know what? Bray Wyatt reverting back to old sinister uh, Swamp Guru Bray Wyatt. Oops, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Uh, really worked. You just saw all these guys just—they were zooming in on them, They're zooming in on them throughout the whole uh, the, the whole night, and um, uh, then or not the whole night, but the that part of the show. And uh, then you saw a blue, uh, you know, a, a vignette from backstage where all of those puppets were laying in uh, moldy cobwebs to symbolize their final death. And as uh, we uh, pan back away from that vignette, we see a door, and the door is bathed in an ominous blue light, which people. Uh, said was very reminiscent of Brody Lee's entrance in uh, the dark order, because of course they were both in the Bray family, uh, which was a nice touch. Someone pointed out. And then as that door opened out, walked sinister uh, mind games, master of the mind game, cult leader, Bray Wyatt with his new torch and the crowd, erupted as pat patterson used to say the whole place went banana and it was just like an explosion just the whole crowd was behind it something they've been wanting for so far so my question is was it half of the uh the anticipation of Bray Wyatt coming back and then people who think that they're in the know, you know, or was it the viral campaign? Was it all of the uh, messages from the white rabbit that uh, caused people to come back? Either way, uh, Bray Wyatt not only is back, but he is also a huge crowd favorite. I'm going, I would not be surprised if he came back as a, baby face (laughs) Uh, you know and he he deserves it Uh, there was a couple of tweets uh, last night where you know there was a fan who had tweeted his daughter uh, marking out at the return of Bray Wyatt and he replied with that's uh, all I wanted that's why I did it that's why I came back I came back for you guys so it's going to be super dope to see what Bray Wyatt has in store and if he's going to wreak havoc on the WWE or even as a baby face um, because we're all behind him. We're all with him. We are all with Bray Wyatt this time. We know why he was let go. We know um, that it was all part of Vince McMahon's um, half of his stupid machinations and the other half was him paying off uh, secretaries that he slept with. But uh, we're past that now. This is a new era Of WWE and it's going to include Bray Wyatt, whether a babyface or heel, but just know that we are all behind Bray Wyatt and we all cannot wait to see Bray Wyatt back in the WWE. So as a just a bow on extreme rules, um, I think there were some matches that had some problems that there weren't that great. But then there were some matches that were just amazing. Like probably the match of the night was the I Quit match between Edge and uh, Finn Balor, which devolved into more drama, more storyline than than uh, than, uh, than actual match. But usually when that happens, it's a bad thing, but this is a good thing. So it was just so fantastic and so wonderful and uh, was so awesome that it happened. Uh, so uh extreme rules c++ plus. extreme rules c++. Plus. There was again a lot bad, uh, a lot not great, uh but a lot of it was really good and I think the good overshadowed a lot of the bad. So tell me what you guys think. Tell me what you guys think. You can either leave a comment on the page. Uh as I see a couple people have and I will definitely definitely get to your comments uh in a moment. Um But, or you can just uh, communicate with me on Twitter. You can communicate with me uh, on all my other social media. uh, And please do, because I love interacting with you guys throughout the show, not just um, when I'm on, but, uh, you know, throughout the week as things arise. All right. Well, that is it for me this week. Steve Cass here had a great hour talking with you guys about pro wrestling. Thanks for joining me. Those of you who were here, uh, who did, who were able to join me and uh, appreciate you guys. Don't forget to um, like the page, uh, share it, uh, you know, help us grow, help me grow, help heel turn wrestling grow. uh, So we can provide for you the best fan oriented fast, the best fan generated podcasts in pro wrestling. That's it for me big old stevie c i'm out for this week thanks for joining me and uh have a great week guys Uh, enjoy wrestling there's some great wrestling going on this weekend as far as uh indie wrestling so check out some indie wrestling that i'm gonna probably be posting on my page as well like you know promoting to just go out there and go go after it go get it but uh enjoy your week and as always peace